0: Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, Pastor Andy talks about how the religious dead can return to the gospel and be born again. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about the gospel, and we're going to talk about the opposite of the gospel, and that is the religious dead. There are a lot of walking dead this morning. They believe they're religious. They believe that, hey, they're living physically, but what they don't realize is that if Jesus Christ were to come back right now, they would be spiritually dead and lost forever and this morning there i think we're in either two areas maybe three areas uh, either you don't know christ you know you don't know christ and you know that you're not spiritually alive some of you have placed your faith and trust in jesus christ but you're living as if it's still dependent upon your works for his favor to enter your life for his love to enter your life and then there's some of you you've been realizing this you've been taking in the deep grace and love and mercy of jesus you've been following him you've been loving him more and more and every day and it's been so sweet it's been so sweet so i got a shining armor as a gift. It was just sitting in my office. It was for my dad. What do you do with this? <laughs> like it's like just putting in your office like behind your desk like, and so like my son who was a couple years younger at the time when I received it, he was petrified. He was mortified. He thought this was a monster in the room and it, it is kind of scary, you know, but he gave it to me when I, you know, when I went from youth pastor to lead pastor and you know, it's it's from the scripture that we need to put on our spiritual armor, you know, the breast, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith and I think this is probably the Bible. I don't know. But uh, anyway, but what do you do with a gift like this? So I decided, well, the only place I could put it in and people might get scared is I'll put it in my office bathroom. And so, I put it, <laughs> I put it in my office bathroom and I forgot about that I put it in my office bathroom the next day. So I went into my office on my day off. It was dark, and I'm like, "Oh, I need to I, I had to wash my hands or something." And so I went into my office Opened up the door and I literally about had a heart attack. I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "What?" I thought like a Munchkin was in my office and he's ready to do battle. And so I'm like, "Whoa! What, what in the world?" And I, I I thought this is so scary and so spooky. But I'm like I have an idea. I am gonna know every time somebody uses my restroom in an unauthorized manner. They're gonna scream. And so every once in a while, someone, and I forget he's in there, every once in a while someone go, goes in and they, they use my bathroom, they're like, whoa, what's, what's happening? Go, oh, oh, you saw my little, uh, my little bathroom guard here, okay, so uh, yeah, it's called my personal restroom, so anyway, but, uh, but the thing is, is he does his, he does his trick, he does his trick because every time someone sees him for the first time, they're absolutely startled, they're scared, and I'm thinking, maybe this would, maybe we should all buy this instead of like, you know, home insurance or, 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 or you know, the burglar alarms, or whatever, just put him in your picture window, and people are are going to stay away. They're going to scream, right? Here's the thing. He does a pretty good job of startling people, especially in the dark and you're not expecting him being there. There's nobody in there. He's not alive. He's dead. It's not even... Actually, I couldn't even make him alive. But he's doing the job. I suppose I could have someone stand in my office and say, hey, you can't go past here. You know, I could do that. But hey, he's he's doing just a good job right here, Right? He doesn't talk back to me. He doesn't really answer me because he's not alive. Here's the thing a lot of us today are approaching Jesus and our relationship with God, and we look very, very effective in the things that we do, but inside there's no life. Inside we're empty. Inside we know that we're lacking in the power that God wants us to live in. And so we look the part, we play the part, but inside we don't feel the part. And today some people are resting their conviction that if I just look the part, then I'm going to be all right with God. God doesn't want you to look the part. He wants you to be the person. He wants you to be that believer. He wants you to be that follower of Christ that is not based upon your righteousness. It's not based upon your works, but it's based solely upon what Jesus is all about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why do we buy home security systems? Why do, you buy, why do people buy knights in shining armor? Why? Because we want assurance that life is going to be okay. We want assurance that life is going to turn out all right and no matter what storm that we face, we'll get through it. We want the assurance that yes, even when we pass and when we go into the afterlife, and we go into eternity, that we are going to spend eternity with Jesus, or in heaven, or if people aren't religious, or like, you know, wherever, where there's bliss, nirvana, or whatever it is. And so in order for people to realize that, they have to get real with their life at present. And anybody who's honest with their life experience, they'll tell you this life is messed up. This life is messy. This life isn't what it should be. That's why there's causes all over the place. People want to save everything, because they realize this world is lost. And the very thing that many people do and try to get to God, try to get to heaven, is they try to work their way, they actually never get even an inch closer to God. Because as we talked about last week, it's all about grace, it's not about your works. But today I want us to know that you can live in the assurance that God loves you and you have a message to share. So there are a couple of us in here today. Some of us, you're here, you're giving church your last shot. Um, there are many of you that come in each and every week that way. You're like, I don't even know if I have a, a walk with Jesus or a, a life with Jesus or, or whatever in Jesus. <laughs> I don't know the right proper terminology. I just don't have Jesus. And I want to say, we are so glad that you're here because we're going to tell you right now, it's not about what you have done or what you're doing right now. It's all about what Jesus has done. And there are many of you here, that are followers of Christ. And you've placed your faith and trust in Him alone. You know where your assurance is, but somewhere along the line, your life feels empty like that shining armor. You know it, you've received it, but you start living the part of who you were before Christ. You're wondering where the power is. You're wondering where the life change is. Today we can live in the reality of a new found tomorrow. Tomorrow. And I believe this is a great place to start as we journey to Easter. The foundation of our faith, the foundation of who Jesus is, how to be born again. So we're going to look at what it means to be born again. It's a very important issue because many people think that the religious routine is good enough to get them to heaven. And as I've asked before, how good is good enough? Nobody could ever answer that. Here's the deal. In this room, many people have the gospel. They know the life-giving message, and it's meant to go out. It's meant to go out. It's meant to, to, to permeate this whole, this whole city. And we need to understand this. As the gospel goes out, we need to understand we were born to be alive. We were born to be alive. Now, what's interesting about this main point, I want you to remember, is that if you're, you might think, like, well, that's a really odd statement. If I'm born, I am alive. But if we are born to be alive, it implies that there are many born today that are walking dead when it comes to their faith. They're alive, spirit, physically, but spiritually, nothing happening. This morning, some of us need a new birth, or some of us need to remember our new birth. Today, there are many people that are living a life where they just feel they're good enough is good enough. In the Gospel of John, we are given a vivid picture of a religious man who thought that he was good enough. He was a religious authority. If he was a religious authority, people came to him to talk about God. But he based it upon his status, his title, uh, his life experience, and what he does. But we see that he, his reality was rocked just a little bit. So if you want to turn to John chapter 2, verse 23. Now when he, that's Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Now the book of John Uh, is in the narrative in the book of John, Jesus actually is recorded in three different Passovers. This is the first one. The last one is pretty famous because it's right when we have the Last Supper and then the crucifixion, Um, and so that, that one's significant as well. But what's interesting about the first recorded Passover is that Jesus is being trusted by many religious authority because he had been accomplishing miracles. Now, if you read the book of John, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, we're only told of one miracle so far. And that miracle is Jesus at the wedding where he turns the water into wine. That's the only miracle that we have recorded, but obviously there were other miracles. In fact, the scriptures are very clear uh, that if we were to record everything that Jesus did, every miracle that he ever did, there wouldn't be room on this earth to contain the revelation that was contained in Jesus. So we are given uh, uh, the highlights in God's sovereignty what we need to know. But what we see here is that people were believing in Jesus right and left because of his miraculous workings. But we see that Jesus was impressed that they were trusting him because that he was doing some miraculous things. Verse 24. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. It would be better to translate these people believed Jesus because he did miracles. Basically, they believed in the miracles, but they weren't believing in the giver of the miracles. Now, miracles are, are important in the, in the life of Scripture, and, and 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 God can certainly move miraculous today. Uh, we, we have seen it. But what can be intoxicating about a miracle is that we begin to idolize the very miracle that we're desiring, or that we begin to worship the miracle instead of the giver of the miracle. and I think that's precisely what we're seeing right here, that the religious authority or the religious people are like, wow, something new. Perhaps, maybe this is, he's, he's, he must be a godly man. Not quite like Moses, but he's a godly man. Like, uh, like wow, what's going on here? Like, I believe what he's doing must be of God because he's doing miracles, but Jesus sees their heart. He's not fooled by their flattery. They still are stopping short of calling him the Messiah. So we were born to be made alive. Our first point, first point this morning is actually a warning. You can believe facts about Jesus, yet not have faith in Jesus. The Bible says the demons believe and they shudder. Are demons going to heaven? No, they're not. The demons understand the facts that Jesus was a historical figure. They believe that they they believe that in the spiritual realm that he is God, but they rebel and don't want to submit and place their faith in God. So you can know facts about Jesus this morning. You can you could have a good memory and you could recite every scripture verse that I gave you or you could recite the whole sermon. You could you could give me the gospel portion and I'd say, "Okay, you know it, but do you believe it?" you have faith in it? you have faith in the gospel? A very big difference. In fact, Jesus warns us in Matthew 23, verse 25. He speaks in a parable of a religious worker that thought they were saved. They had false, assur- uh, false assurance. This is what he says. Matthew 23, verse 25. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Hypocrites is another word for actors. It's what they called actors. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish that, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then outside it will be clean too. What sorrow awaits, you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites... For you're like a whitewashed tomb, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, the religious authority, that are kind of like that knight I had up here. It kind of looked like a munchkin knight. Okay, I get that. It wasn't full size. That would probably cost more. But, but you get what I'm saying. It looked like a knight, but it wasn't. It was hollow. It wouldn't last a second. And for many of the religious authority or those that were basing their religious experience because they were born into a religious family, uh, they, they based it all on that. They based it all on their, uh, on their genealogy or they based it on what they did or what they would do. And Jesus gives a parable. Here is a religious person who had everything cleaned up outside, but inside it was dirty. Jesus wants a change from the inside out. One of the greatest hindrances of the message of Jesus is when the church, I'm not saying this church, but the church in general, acts like we have it all together or are focused on the wrong things at the expense of the main thing, and that's the gospel. And the outside world scratches their head and they're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm told there's a message here. How's it any different? It is different. The message, the gospel of Jesus Christ is life-giving for your very soul. It breathes life into what is dead. The message uh, message of Jesus is not just behavior modification. It's not just moral messages of where I'll give you a moral rule book and you have to check the list of the do's and don'ts. It's not behavior modification. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your mind is renewed. Your heart is, is made to come alive, and you have desire modification. You begin to desire different things. Now, desire doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, because there's a lot of times we desire things and we fail at it still, right? But desire has to be there if you're going to go down the road of obedience. But can we just be real for a moment? There are definitely mornings you wake up, and I wake up, and we know that we're supposed to pray, and we're supposed to read God's word, and you know, we're supposed to give everything over to God, right? And there's some mornings that you wake up and it's super easy. There's some mornings you wake up and it's, yeah, it, it's doable. And there's some mornings you wake up and you encounter situations and circumstances you don't want to pray. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to follow the things of God. Listen, I'm speaking of my heart as well. What do you do in those moments when we don't desire God? The very foundation of of obedience. Conviction has to kick in of what we know. Conviction has to kick in and we have to, and this is a powerful prayer as well. God, I don't desire you right now. Be real with him. I don't desire you right now, but guess what? I want to desire you. Help me desire you. Help me be obedient even when my desire is not there, Lord. Because here's the thing. A lot of us are living life as the do-what-you-want-to-do ethic. We see this uh, reinforced everywhere in society around us. Do what you want to do, do what makes you happy, and if it makes you happy, then great. I'm happy if you're happy. But we have to live our feelings and our emotions that are married and in line with truth. And if we're having a blissful moment, if we're having a moment of happiness, it better be lined up with truth. If it is, that's a sweet spot. Cherish that moment. But there are moments where your feelings are over here and you have truth, and you have to choose. You have to choose. What are you going to do? Man, I'm so tired this morning. I know I'm supposed to praise Jesus and the song. It's talking about how he saved me and how much he loves me. I just, God, I just don't want to praise you right now because I'm tired. Right? Feeling, feeling, truth, feeling, truth. We, we need to make sure our feelings are in line with our truth. Here's the deal: We are born to be made alive. He wants you to love Him, enjoy Him, not as a statue, not as a robot. God did not pre-program you to say, "Yes, Lord, I will go to church." Yes, Lord, I will love you. Yes, Lord, I will be kind to Thy neighbor. Yes, Lord, I will walk people across the street. Yes, Lord, I will not go over twenty five hundred calories. You know what I mean? Like you know, like we we have so much in our mind that we like we condemn ourselves with. And here's the thing: We are not robots. God gives us a responsibility to love him and obey Him. That's what love is. Can you imagine if your marriage was like that, right? And if your marriage was like, well, they don't really love me, but like we programmed my wife to love me, right? Like that would just be awful, right? It'd be worse than medieval, right? But the thing is, we often treat God like that. Like, like, okay, I, you know, I just, I, I'll just be your robot. God, no, 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 God wants your affection. God wants your passion. God wants you to love him and to cherish him and to treasure him and to desire him. And if those things aren't there, listen, pray for it. Receive it. We are to be made live in the gospel. We are alive. But religious works, it looks like it's alive on the outside, but you feel dead on the inside. You feel dead. Jesus said that there are many people that have false assurances, that have false assurances. In fact, in verse 25, he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus sees exactly what's going on in our hearts. We can never fool him, and our life is like an open book to him. But oftentimes we approach God like the game of Monopoly. In the game of Monopoly, there's a certain card. It's called the get-out-of-jail card free card okay how many people hate monopoly by the way all right how many people love it how many people love it all right all, all right awesome all right i know who to play with now because like no one no one of my family likes it all right so it just sits on the you know on the on the other on thing there. So monopoly all right we're gonna have a monopoly night all right so there it is get our free jail card and for me in monopoly i i i like to go to jail at the end of the game so i don't have to pay people the hotel fees all right so i'm like why would i want that card But sometimes people want that card because they don't like going to jail for whatever reason. But listen, what we do is I think people realize this card's worthless in Monopoly. But I got a better idea. I'm going to cross jail out and I'm going to put hell on there. It's get out of hell free. So I'm going to have this in my back pocket. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to have the get out of hell free card. I'm going to live my life however I want to live it. And when I feel convicted, I'm just going to pull this out. Hey, God, remember this. Remember this. And you can live your life that way. You can, you can abuse the grace of God. And you can ha- and it's not about a certain amount of works that gets you into heaven or else it's works based, right? I mean, we gotta remember the thief on the cross. He was a thief on the cross that five minutes earlier was hurling insults at Jesus. And then somewhere in that five minute range, he got convicted. He was met with his mortality and he received Christ on the cross. How amazing is that? No works there. But here's the deal. Oftentimes we settle like, I'm, I got it. I'm going to use my get out of hell free card. And listen, that is not what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is meant to live in the power of the risen Savior. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you're given the Holy Spirit, right? To empower you to live a life of victory, to live a life to where the message that you have is so selfish that we're going to say it's going to stay at me. It's going to stay inside me. No, it needs, people need to see there's a difference. People need to see and, and and hear out loud with words why you believe when they ask you, because they will. Listen, if you pray that prayer, God, give me divine opportunities. People are going to say, why do you believe in Jesus? They're going to. You watch. I ain't praying that prayer. Well, I told you it's going to be dangerous. <laughs> Some of our faith today is treating Jesus like this card. You know what I think is, though? A lot of people have that card in their back pocket, and they never really did place their faith in Christ, though. And I think one of the scariest passages in Scripture, Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, says this. Now, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you Away from me, you evildoers. Now, this is the amazing thing. This is a religious person that was really doing the works of God. He was casting out demons. He was prophesying. He was doing works and miracles. And what he was saying is he was sitting back, he's pulling out his get out of his hell free card. He's like, well, get out of hell free card. Guess what? I feel pretty assured right now. Why? Because I did a miracle. I cast out a demon. And I prophesied. I'm going to heaven. wrong. It's not about the religious works that you do. That doesn't get you to heaven. The religious works that we do uh, do uh, should be one that is the overflow of our faith in God and our love of God. Listen, it is natural if we understand and cherish the message of Jesus Christ that we want to desire God, that we want to live for God, that we want to please God because we realize what he did for us. It's not like, oh, now I have to do this. I accepted Christ. Now I guess I better make him happy. It's realizing I was at the depth of despair in my condition, I was dead, and now He's made me alive. I get to follow God now. I get to follow my destiny. You are born to be alive, not through the relig- religious actions, but through Jesus, and to receive what Jesus has. You must be born again. Chapter three, verse one. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if, you're God, if, if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very true, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So picture this. You have, you have Nicodemus, who undoubtedly was one of the people in chapter 2 seeing the, the, the miracles. And he's like, hmm, this Jesus... He might be as good as Moses. In fact, he might be better. If he's better than Moses, my my friends are not going to like me anymore. Because that's kind of a crazy thought. So maybe I'll go in the cover of the night and I'll just ask Jesus what's really going on. So he goes in the cloak of darkness and he meets Jesus and his Question in his words imply, how do I receive the kingdom, and who are you? And Jesus says this, you must be born again. I, I just love Jesus' answers, by the way. He says things that are like, huh? He makes you think. You must be born again. Now, Nicodemus is thinking, wait a minute, what? I I got up in the middle of the night for this? Like, I, and he began to visualize, he's like, wow No, 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 no. And you see his response, verse 4. How could someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Uh Uh-uh, not doing it. Jesus responds, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. Today, whether people acknowledge Jesus as Savior or not, we live under the sovereign rule of God. He's in control, no matter when the world seems it's out of control. God's in control, He's coming back, right? We cannot get out of His presence, whether we acknowledge Him or not. But listen, when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior, when you acknowledge that He is in control of your life, listen, here's the deal. You get to enter in the actual, uh, manifest of His kingdom that will be inaugurated when He comes back, where He'll make all things new. All sin will be wiped away. All death will be cleared. When people are born again, this is the awesome thing, they begin living the resurrected life or the kingdom of God, which is yet not yet. It's not yet because it hasn't been fully inaugurated, but it's yet because it's alive in your life. You have a message that breathes out life. The kingdom is here. So Jesus responds, you must be born again. He's confused. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born of water and the Spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to the spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again the wind blows wherever it pleases you hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going so it is with anyone and everyone born of the spirit what jesus is saying is you got to be born of water and the spirit some theologians say well that means the first birth because the the fluid the amniotic fluid and then and then the spirit it's like well that that could make sense, I suppose, but that's not what that word means. In fact, some of the uh, I think best theologians that have wrestled with this, uh, the the sentences in the original language is one thought. When you are born again, you are washed away from your sins. Your sins are washed clean. You you are made whole and you're born of the Spirit. The Spirit breathes life into you. The same Spirit that breathed life through the first human beings, Adam and Eve, are breathing life into you right now to where you are born again. You're born with with, which is not flesh and blood, but of the Spirit. Because we need born again because we're sick. Jesus commanded that we need to be born again as a bold declaration that there's something wrong with our first birth. We need to be born again. Why? Because we are filled with lust, anger, lies, gossip, addictions. And we think that sin only affects us, that we we are entitled to sin because it doesn't really affect anybody else, but it does. It affects the loved ones that are around us. All of us are infected with a virus that will kill 100%. 100% of us in here unless Jesus Christ comes back in our lifetime. And when we die, the Bible says it's appointed us to stand before God. And we will either know him or we will not know him. We'll either know him or we will not know him. So not only are we sick, but our minds have been compromised. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? Paul mentions in Romans 7 18, for I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. He realizes the struggle is real. And if we rely in that deep, dark moment on our emotions, on our thoughts, uh, on on, on our just what we feel for the day, it could be massively deceptive and lead you astray. We have to be led by conviction. We have to be led by the truth of God's Word. We have to be led knowing that when we lead and follow Him, He will lead us into the promised land, and there will be a moment where truth will intersect with your feelings, and you'll have joy that's unspeakable. We need a resurrection. Jesus came to this world to die for your sins. But he knew, he who knew no sin took on your sin. And this is vividly beautifully pictured 600 years prior by the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw this valley of dead dry bones, bones just scattered He began to have a dialogue with the Lord, and the Lord gave him a beautiful promise, and this is what he says in Ezekiel 37, 11. The Lord spoke, O my people, I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again, and you will return to your own land, and then you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done what is said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. God wants to breathe in our dead, dry bones, and some of us this morning, we are not spiritually alive and today God's going to make you alive this morning some of us have been made spiritually alive but we're taking the position like we're dead and God wants you to breathe new life into you and make you alive this morning and for those of you that are alive keep it going and listen it's not by your doing it's by the mercy of God that's new every single morning great is his faithfulness right so Holy Spirit we need you Thank you that we have the Spirit because of Jesus Christ who gave us forgiveness of sins on the cross. We made it real by raising from the dead. God breathes new life. Church, the world needs to know us by our love, by our conviction, by God's power. Oh, church, we need a wind of His Spirit to replace our hearts of stone, our hearts of flesh with the heart of His Spirit, don't we? God, bring a fresh wind into this place this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the bottom line that Jesus told Nicodemus. And he didn't come into this world to destroy this world, no. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We must believe in Jesus. And if we have and we've forgotten the awesome aspect of why we exist and why we have hope, we need to return to that gospel because we need a fresh wind. We need a fresh fire in our souls this morning. We have a story to tell and it is lived out through our actions and yes, our words. And the Super Bowl Sunday of the church is happening on Easter. It may never be another Sunday, another Easter. We're like, oh, well, he's risen, he's risen indeed. That's good, right? But people are seeing it every single day of our life. And like, I want that. I know that you're not perfect. I know you're not perfect, but I want what you have. I want the hope that you have. I just want to pray for those that today, uh, maybe you're going to pray the boldest prayer you've ever had. You realize that not only have you not been praying to God, but you realize you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know about Jesus. Uh, you might think about him sometimes. You may even been to church off and on, but you realize I don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the thing is this, Jesus came to this earth to die for you, to raise from the dead for you. Why? Because without him, we are hopeless. Without him, we are lost in our sins. Without him, we are separated eternally from him. You see, God created you to have a relationship with him, but there's nothing that we can do because we sinned to have a relationship with God. Sin is missing the mark, sin is doing something wrong in our past, present, and even future. But Jesus did what we could not do. He came to this earth, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and he is offering you now the choice to receive the forgiveness he bought on the cross. So Father, I pray, I pray for anybody here right now that realizes they don't have a personal relationship with you, that God right now they would step into faith. They would say, Lord, I want to place my faith and trust in you. I want to receive forgiveness from you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you raised from the dead. God, I want to call out on your name so that I may be saved. Lord, would you step into my life? Today, in every living room, any place that you're at, for those of you, if you know that this is your moment, today you're asking Jesus to step into your life, you're asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you're placing your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead. If that's you, you wanna make it personal today, pray out to Jesus saying, Jesus, I need you now. I need you now. And you know what? I believe in faith right now. I believe that there is a party in heaven going on because there are people all across this city that have said yes to Jesus today. They have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ today. There is a party going on because there are people that were once dead spiritually that are now made alive. And I think the party continues because today there are people that feel free, that they can talk to God through prayer, that today the, the dynamic part of their prayer life is going to go places. It has hasn't gone before. Today, there's been a shift. Today, God is about to do something new and it's starting with you. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode.